Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey folks, Brian Nichols here for another fun-filled episode, yes, of The Brian Nichols Show, and uh, you're in store for a different type of episode, as I was joined by one of my own kin, Sarah Nichols, joins The Brian Nichols Show to discuss her venture off to college. Yes, it it made me feel like an old brother. My sister was off to college, so I want to kind of get Sarah's perspectives and her, her views right now, where she is, not only as a person, but also kind of where her generation is, um, and to see kind of what changes as Sarah spends the next four years off to college. So, uh, with that, please enjoy today's episode. And, uh, yeah, if you have uh, someone who's in college or going to college, send this episode their way. I think it could definitely open their eyes and maybe it would show them some similarities and some parallels that they see in their own lives. So, uh, with that folks onto the show, Sarah Nichols here on the Brian Nichols show. All right, Sarah Nichols, welcome to the Brian Nichols show. So people, I'm guessing, guess by your last name, you're my sister. So you're going to, to college coming up here in the next couple uh, couple of months. Actually, no, a couple of weeks. So uh, you, you graduate high school, and part of what we want to do is kind of do a before and after, or just like kind of an experiment to see how you're going to change as you go to college. So this is part of a new series called Off to College. So what I wanted to do was start kind of, I guess, first and foremost, I want people to know who you are, and maybe you can kind of talk about um, some of your interests and things that you like to do, and then what we can do is dig more into the this like I guess political side of things, and we'll we'll use this as part of the the template, the starting off point for where you are. So Sarah, what what do you like to do? Kind of tell some fun stuff about you, and and maybe what you're gonna go to college to study. How about that? Let's start there. Okay. So in high school, you know, I do sports. I like to do the musical program. This last year, we did The Wizard of Oz. You were able to see it. I was a Wicked Witch. <laughs> you were. <laughs> That's not like your personality, though, which is funny, because you got to play a fun role that you never really get to play otherwise in real life. Yeah, the complete opposite of me. Um, prior to going to college, in my high school classes, I've taken college courses. So mm-hmm. I am not completely naive to everything college-wise. Right. But I have a background of it, which also helped me to pick my major, which is going to be psychology. Psychology. So, um, I mean, you're going into, I dare say, a a, a, a a study that a lot of people would look at, you know, okay, it makes sense to have a college degree. And a lot of people go to college and they don't really pick a a degree that's going to be you know valuable for when they go to the, like looking for a job. So what was it that kind of pushed you towards psychology over another major that you maybe would have looked at? 
well, before I even picked psychology, it was like the last two months of school I picked that. I was going to go for biology. I was planning on going to be a chiropractor. I'd look at uh, New York Chiropractic College, and I was really, I, that was my, what I was going to do. I was planning on that. But um, after taking intro to psych, I really realized that that's what I really wanted to do, and I wanted to focus on the behavior behind why people do things, more kind of minoring mm-hmm. also in criminology, and hopefully with that. So you and again, you're you're going to be actually using your degree, which is really cool. And the things yeah. you were looking at beyond that were things that you would have to use a degree for. But a lot of kids they go to college and they're not really using a degree. So did you kind of look at when you're looking to graduate and you're thinking about what you want to do in the future? Did you ever think of maybe not doing college, or did you were you always kind of set on doing college? I was always set on doing college. Why is that? Like, is there any reason in particular that you were like, you know, I need to have a college degree? I think growing there's people that are meant for the workforce. And then there's people that are more meant for like a college degree. Not everybody has to go to college, but I think college is more fit for me and not really someone that's, you know, hands-on that can fix cars, a plumber. That's someone that fits that job, but not everybody has to go to college. But mm-hmm. for me, it fit me better. Yeah. Um, no, I, I totally get that. And you're right. I mean, like we watched, I remember when we were growing up, we'd watch like Dirty Jobs. And yeah. that's one thing Mike Rowe would always do is he'd go and he'd bring people to see like these jobs that people really don't think about, but they're jobs that are super important for like things to function in our society. So like one of them, I remember we watched was remember the gooey duck farmer and like, yeah. you go out and it was like that really gross, like thing that was gross when they, I can't say too much in TV. Like, yeah. It's gross guys. Go look up a gooey duck and you figure out what it is. Um, but little things like that, that we would never really think about. So, um, yeah, but you, like you said, you're, you're always kind of looking for advancing your career wise, which I think is good because you're, in a much different mindset than I think a lot of kids when they go to college, which is college is the chance to get away from your parents and go party and stuff, which, I mean, yes, that happens in college with a lot of people, but you're more in the mindset of this is a means to actually get a good job in the future and it's something that you want to do. Yeah, very true, because college is very expensive. <laughs> very yes. expensive. So I think of it as I don't want to waste any thousands of dollars partying and stuff where I could do that if I wanted to after like legal age <laughs> there, that, yeah. very smart sarah see you, you got a good brother here i guess i must have trained you well some way but um so that's interesting you mentioned the price of college uh because a lot of places really don't or, i'm sorry like, a lot of people when they go to college they're not really taking into consideration how much it actually costs and i know you know i graduated back uh, a while ago and i'm the, you know now you're paying your student loans and i mean it's a hefty amount of money that comes out of your pocket so it's good that you're actually going to be using your degree in something that will, you know, hopefully be able to give you a value going forward. But let's kind of go, you know, turn that into a little bit of a political question. So people like Bernie Sanders are running for president and, you know, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, all these um, people on the left. And they're promising, you know, free college for for kids right now or for people in in, my age and beyond um, for giving student loans. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a good idea or is that a bad idea? I mean, it sounds great, but I don't think it's even possible to promise all the thousands of kids in the United States free college. Millions of kids. Millions, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah millions, it's, it's wild. It's, it's wild. Yeah. But then if you had free college and more kids would probably go. But at that mm. same time, it's not possible. And if they, I mean, I think you make a good point. If it was free, a lot of kids would go. But then I, th- I don't know, this is my opinion. I want to hear your thoughts too. Is like, you know, if, if college was free and a lot of kids were going, maybe some kids who are just going for the sake of going and they're not really going to like advance their you know, their career path, but then you know, they end up getting a degree and they don't really use it or it's kind of a pointless degree. I mean, is that something that the taxpayer should be paying for? Because really when we talk about universal health, uh, education, you're talking about 
taxpayer funded at universal education, which basically means that it's going to be paid for. And I know like the Bernie will say like, Oh, it's going to be the millionaires and the billionaires, but it's not really the millionaires and billionaires. It's, I mean, we're from New York and we saw what Andrew Cuomo was pushing for like the universal uh, education, not just for New Yorkers, but also for illegal residents of the state. So like um, you, know, you see more and more of this push to free stuff. Um, but it's interesting because you're, you're young. I think a lot of young kids, especially going right into college or who are in college, they would identify more with the the Bernie side of thoughts. So do you think, you know, just in your interacting with kids in, in your high school when you just graduated, but also, you know, you're, you're getting ready to go to college. What's been your experience so far in your, your, I guess, your peers, their politics? And what are you kind of expecting when you go to college? A lot of my peers are all for the Bernie idea with mm-hmm. free college because it is so expensive for me personally. Private school is cheaper than going to a state school. So Which is nuts. In New York, there's yeah. SUNY schools, and yep. that was more money for me than a private school was. <laughs> That's Which insane. is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Because it like, was, it's, a, it's a public school. You it think was it would be cheaper. 8000 more. That's wild. $8,000 more. So, and you said like, your, your peers, they're all on board with this idea of yeah, social... Yeah, a majority of them, yeah. Why do you think, why do you think it is that your, your, you know, your classmates and, and you know, kids in your age range... Why are they all for this? Is it just the easiness of it, or do they just think it's they don't have to pay for it? What, what do you think it is? Um, I think the idea that they won't have to pay for it, and because it is so outrageous, but also they also probably followed on the ideas that he also supports with LGBTQ, but other forms of parties mm. do support that. I support that, right? But he is known for that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because like. You're so you. I, I don't think it's unfair to say you're more of like a, we'll say small government. Like I would say Republican, conservative, libertarian. You have a lot of like those kind of blended ideas. Um, but kids that are your age group, majority of them are more to the left. So I'd say that they have a lot of um, you know, they have a lot of personal beliefs that are much like what you believe. But then when it comes to the money stuff, the the economic stuff. They're just super to the left. Yeah. Do you think it's it's that, you know, they're they're against rich people or they just want free stuff? I think that they mostly want free stuff. Free stuff? They agree with the, because in our area, especially, it's poverty. Yeah. So I think they agree more with that side because it's free. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> and is it free, right? <laughs> it like, isn't. It's that, not for everybody. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, so, And it'll affect the middle class more than anything than the yeah, and like that's one thing too is I I mean I forget who it was that said it. I think it may have been Milton Friedman. I may be paraphrasing here, but it's uh it's easy to you know, maybe it was Hayek. It was Hayek Friedman. One of the, it was one of the good economic thinkers, and they were like it's it's conspicuously easy to be careless with other people's money, more or less. It's not verbatim, um, and we're doing this on a Saturday, so I'm sorry, I'm not the sharpest folks. Um, but a lot of these kids look at the free, and they just think you know it's it's free money. It must come from somewhere. Um, but I mean, I, do you think it's a matter of people just not realizing that like when they say it's going to be paid for the, by the millionaires and billionaires, that it actually does hurt like their, their community. Like, I mean, New York, just let's use that for example. I mean, part of the reason that it's so poverty, poverty stricken, like where we're from is it's just so expensive. I mean, look at how much property taxes are in our area. It's insane. Sales taxes through the roof. Um, the, and it's so difficult to have a business up there through the taxes and when you're talking about like the regulations that we have in place 
I mean, it's 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 almost impossible to have a functioning business. But then, you know, these guys, yes, they quote unquote make a million dollars, but then that goes right back into their businesses just to survive. But when Bernie or or you name the person are on stage saying well, the evil millionaires and billionaires, they don't realize that that's actually the people that's impacting. It's it's the small business owners and people like that. Yeah. Um, actually, it's funny. I remember back 2016, or maybe it was after the election, it was um, a town hall with Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz. And a lady was a hairdresser and she owned like a hairdressing store and she was asking about universal health care. And she's saying how like right now she has 49 employees because if she had 50, that she would have to provide health insurance per the, the health care regulations. Um, and Bernie was like, well, ma'am, I don't know how much money you make, but you know, I, I believe you should give your people health care. And like, She's like, well, I'm not a millionaire. Like, I'm not like rolling in dough. Like, all the money I make goes right back into my business, into my employees. And he just couldn't, I don't know if he didn't want to understand or even acknowledge that that's like the reality for a small business owner. Um, so, what? I mean, you, you said that you're kind of more in the camp of, it can't be free for everybody, everybody. So, I guess if you had to look and say like, what do you personally believe for like money stuff? What do you think is the role of of not only the government for like, you know, dealing with money or just the economy, but maybe in your, how government impacts you and your ability to make money and stuff right now. If you had to guess, I mean, give, I know it's a, it's a, it's a random question. Like, do you think that the government should do more in terms of like providing programs and stuff and then like just taking more taxes in and to do that? Or should the government like give more money to not give more money, but like let people keep more of their money and then let people decide what to do with that money? I would say let them. Take more of the money and decide what they, or let people keep more, get, keep your money in the money and let them decide what they do with it. Because as of now, so much money is given to taxes and it's given out to different programs, which is yeah. great because, you know, people, they need the money, but some people overtake the system and they're taking advantage of it. And I worked at a supermarket mm-hmm. and you can tell the differences with people like that need it and then people that are taking advantage they just don't work because they want don't want to and that's yeah. mostly people that are in their 20s so when you say taking advantage like give me an example of what when you were like in the store and you saw people doing that what was like a taking advantage that was obvious to you people that could take work they could have jobs mm-hmm. but they live at home so they get their rent paid for them mm-hmm. they get um checks for foods like food stamps yep and that's all they do they stay at home and they have their rent and their food t- taken care of for them that's sad because like I don't know. It's always sad when I hear people like that because Mm -hmm. then, I mean, I think how it's almost, it's training them to think that that's how real life works. And the sad thing is it's mostly people that are in their 20s and 30s range who are able to work. And then you have the people coming through that are in their 60s and 70s who are disabled and they're using food stamps and they still are barely even like to pay their food, but they can't even work. Right. But then there's people that are able to work and there's there's jobs that are minimum wage. Right they don't take the opportunity up or there's people that are coming in their moms and there is a WIC program and they're still like they're coming off of work just coming to the store mm-hmm. to get their kids food yeah and they're not even making it yeah and you mentioned minimum wage too and it's funny because like um i actually just had uh, a couple shows ago an economist on my show and uh, we talked we talked about minimum wage and, and one of the 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 realities of minimum wage was that it was actually created with the intention of trying to keep minorities and people who were considered like less thans in society. So at the time it was, you know, um, people who were coming in over from, from Europe. So Irish people, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And what they would do is they would set these artificial, um, these artificial barriers to becoming an employee. So 
you think anytime you set a tax, right, the tax is supposed to be a punishment or a, a means to uh, de-incentivize someone from doing an action. So, right, we put a tax on smoking, right? And then that is called a sin tax where it's hurting the person financially from smoking. Um, so it's supposed to, to change their behavior. Um, so the same thing is true with regards to, um, what were we just talking about? Oh my God, my brain just... Grocery stores, thank you. Yeah. So the same thing is true when it goes. I no, it was something else we we're talking about. Oh, minimum wage. There we go. My brain just like kind of. I was going on the, the story about the syntaxes. Um, minimum wage though is the same thing. It's it's essentially it's a government setting uh, an arbitrary price that is then putting the onus on business owners to try and you know meet the the cost they have to spend for employees. But at the same point in time, they have to be able to justify it to make enough money. So. What they're going to do is just by nat, you know, naturally when it was put in place, was they're going to look for people who have more education or more experience, and they're going to push down uh, the resumes of people who are less experienced or you know they're not in a bracket or a pool of people that you would think would be good for the job. So now you're actually hurting the very people you're trying to help, which is people who are going to be low skill, low education, um, who maybe need those kind of starting jobs to get some experience, then become a manager. So it's like this um, this idea of uh, you know unintended consequences. So it's supposed to be there to help people. It's like, oh, you're going to get this much money to pay, do a job, but now we're going to set it at a certain amount where you're not even going to get that job or you're going to lose your job because your employer can't afford to pay everybody a certain payment or a certain hourly rate wage. So they're just going to remove one person from the workforce. They can only have two people doing the job of three. Sure, those two are now getting paid more than they were before, but now somebody's jobless, right? And it makes it hard because now welfare, um, part of the requirements for welfare is... If you're working, you hit a threshold of income that cuts you off from welfare. So now there's an incentive for people to not get a job because if they get that job and it earns more than they would get in welfare, then they're not going to get their welfare anymore. So again, it's an unintended consequence where welfare was there to, to help people, but now people are taking advantage of it because they're not having to do the work, but they're still getting something coming in and they can pretty much ride that through until, you know, you're, you're seeing already they're starting off in their early twenties and thirties. So like with, with that all being said, where do you think that leaves kind of your generation? Like if it's, you know, the people in their twenties and even my generation in their thirties who are doing this, I mean, where do you think we're going to be in 10, 15 years if we keep it up? Uh, not good. No. <laughs> Most of my generation though is in the workforce. I, from what I can see in mm-hmm. like my age and a lot of them, already uh, that have graduated me and aren't going to college they already have jobs they're already like because we have a BOCES program where we live okay yep so a lot of them have been training for either welding building houses that kind of thing but more generally my generation is that they want to make the change they want to make things better and that's what I've noticed that's exciting yeah um especially so like this is one thing I I in when I do my show and I know you started to listen to it which I'm like hey sisters listen to my show um but one thing that I try to do with my show is to show ways that people's you know own entrepreneurial spirits, when they're not being forced to do something by the government, can make a real difference. So I've had people on my show who try to do education um, in the free market. So I had a gentleman on for MathBot.com, which is a way to to learn how to do math by do programming on like a website to learn that way. Um, you know, I had a, a guy on my show talking about his website called Library.io, which is just like an alternative social media slash um, content sharing platform that's basically free of like restrictions from either like, you know, Facebook, which is like deplatforming people and like they're removing political speech they don't like or Twitter, the same thing. 
this is like once it's posted, it's there. Like it's it's all based on blockchain technology. We can't touch it. Um, and you know, you look at things like right now, like Uber and Lyft. Like I said Uber to you and you were like, oh, Uber, because we're in Philly, of course. Um, and we don't have that up where I'm from because there's no really a need. But at the same point in time, like that has made it so much easier for people in like, for example, in Philly where maybe they were low income and they weren't near public transit or they were, you know, a taxi would cost an arm and a leg. They can just go to their phone and put in where they're going to go and they get like a, a pretty relatively okay price ride. You can share it with somebody like you would if you were, you know, doing a public transit or you can, you know, do like a, it's called an Uber bus, um, which is like, it be a more of like a SUV or something. Um, but it's giving people more alternatives. Now they can actually, you know, go to the job interview they couldn't go to before stuff like, or get to their job in general, bring their kids to school easier. Um, so it's, it's good to see going full circle that you have your, your kids in your generation who are kind of in that go-getter mood because that's what started those companies. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to say, I, I have a big hope for your generation. Cause I'm like, we need to re- like basically fix the the problems that our parents' generation and the, the parent, their parents' generation did because it was always just like, you know, kick the can down the road, but it sounds like from your experience that it's your generation and hopefully some of my generation who are actually kind of leading the charge to like do things now and make things better. Right. So then I guess my question is why are so many of them look at people like Bernie and, and you know, all these people out there and they get excited about them using government to like do all these things. I think cause they trust that more because, you know, growing up yeah. my generation more than anything, gun violence has been a really huge thing. So mm-hmm. One thing, like, I know, going to school, we were always scared, like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, you never know. Also, with, like, our generation, the big thing is, like, having, like, green, I guess, like, green, like, everything being, like, healthy, like, um, trying to save, like, recycle. That's something that we've been instilled in since we were, like, kids in my generation, especially. I think some may even argue that, like, it's almost like brainwash. Yeah. We've been learning it since, I would, I want to see, like, say, like, second or third grade, and that's, like all we've learned and yes we do need to change but bernie and them are more the ones that are like promoting that Mm. so i think that's also why they're going towards that side because you know they want to get rid of the guns they want to get and not even get rid of just get rid of guns but maybe even just make it a little bit more safer because we've Mm. had to live the fear even my school yeah and we're from the north country so we know it's sad too and i wonder how much of that is um so here, here's just one thing I, I, I've always been a little like apprehensive to talk about like the numbers, but like the statistics are, are out of this world in terms of like how rare it is for you, for you to die in like gun violence. Like most of, I think it was like 32,000 deaths were attributed to gun violence. And this is from like the CDC. And then I think like 19,000 of them are suicides. And then like, I think it's six or 7,000 of them are gang related violences and then like the rest were like an actual gun being used in a crime but i think you know in an era of like social media you have these kids who they they see it happen more like not necessarily more frequently but it's easier to know it happened so like mm-hmm. now you see the video of the kids hiding in the schools and you like see the the videos afterwards because everybody can see what's happening um but like i mean is heart <laughs> This is the, the part that sucks. Like, is it emotionally exhausting and, and frust- frustrating and just, you know, it, devastating as it is to see these these shootings happen? Like, if you were to look at the real numbers, it's like, well, you actually are more likely to drown in a, ba- in a bathtub or in, a, like, a swimming pool than you are to get, you know, shot in a mass shooting. So, do you think maybe that some of the, the problems, and I don't say problems, but like, maybe the misconceptions are due to, like, it is so easy to, to be interacting with people on social media, maybe getting false information or stuff? 
I think it's just the idea that it hasn't happened to us personally, mm-hmm. but the PTSD of it, just seeing it and being scared of it actually happening. Because there are kids in every school that have, you know, depression, mm. anxiety, oh, yeah. anything that could happen. And you never know, like, when something does happen. And that's, I think that's the scary part is you never know it could happen no matter where you are. In sixth grade, I was when that was when Sandy Hook happened when yeah. I was little. So growing up, we've had this in our minds. Yep. And for us, my generation, 2001, we've never had like no wars so like for us <laughs> yep. nothing like we that's, don't that's know insane. how to I forget, understand it i forget you 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 literally have never not experienced war in your life no that's that's kind of kind of sad for me like i remember back um we had the expo up in the north country and i remember watching as we were like launching bombs on iraq in 2003 and like to think that you were like a toddler and like that's been happening not only since then but like even before them with 9-11, it's just been nonstop for you. You never experienced, you no. know, peace. And, th- and that's like the normal, which yep. is weird to think that that's your normal. Yeah. Ever since like, even like Sandy Hook, like you prepare for it. You have like every single year you have about three or four lockdown drills and you practice. And <laughs> in our school personally, because we have kids that come in from other schools because they can't stay at their schools because they're either like they're expelled and our school takes them in. Mm-hmm. But We've had incidents where the police have to come in and take the kids out. So you never know, like, what, what will happen. Right. Or what could happen. Yeah. I, and it's sad. You no, know, it is sad. And, like, I mean, I remember back when, um, remember the whole Ebola thing happened? There's a whole Ebola outbreak in, like, 2014, 2015, yeah. somewhere in there. I remember I was at my office, and um, they actually did a, a drill. because my So I worked um, as the director of PT for a physical therapy company. And one of our headquarters was right outside of a, a U.S. Um, military base. And they did like an Ebola outbreak drill, but they didn't tell anybody. So like you're standing there and this is like when it was like a huge deal and you just see people coming into the building in hazmat suits and you're like, what's going on? Like, is this real? Like, am I going to get Ebola? Um, But like to to have it almost like conditioning where you get to the point that like you experience those kind of situations or just you see it on social media every day. It really does kind of set what your reality is. And you're just scared because you don't know what will happen. So yeah. I think that's especially, like, with my generation, like, you don't know what will happen. And even, like, adults, they're, like, your generation, like, even, like, people in their 40s and 50s, they're even becoming scared. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that thing in Times Square where they, um, there was a kickback in a motorcycle, people thought it was gunfire, and uh, people just started fleeing. Yeah. And it's just, like, the whole country now. They just have, like, this PTSD, even though that had never even happened to them. Yeah, I never thought about like that. And that's just my generation, like, you don't know what's going to happen, and that's why I think they want guns to be controlled, because you don't know, and... For yeah. us, they've always been around, and I remember being little, and there was a bomb scare at our school, and having yep. to have my backpack checked, and you couldn't even go in the entrances, and I was yep. like six I remember that. or seven. Yep. No, I remember that. That was right before we, uh, before I graduated. Um, and you know, one thing I think it's interesting is when you look at America, like we've always had guns, right? Like our country, like so we were always like, we were a nation that was founded on like gun rights, like because we overthrew a tyrannical government. Um, and like we've we've always as a society had guns, and it's not until like the past forty years or so that we've really seen this this you know lone wolf mass shooter kind of thing start up. And it's interesting to me because like the guns have always been there, and if anything, they've actually we've seen violent crime. Yeah, but we've also seen like violent crime statistically it's dropped in the past. Like especially since like we we had the the ending of the um the assault weapons ban back in the nineties. Um, like we saw violent crime just plummet. And 
yet we see these more and more of these lone wolf shooters happening. So I'm just wondering too, like what happened do you think in the past 40 years, just and maybe you can experience because you know some of the kids are doing it now are in your age range. What's changed more recently that's leading to that? You think now than it was you know forty years ago when the guns have been there the whole time. Well, nowadays since there is technology, kids are not more face to face people, so there's no social contact. So I think they're losing yeah. the the mental and emotional perspective to it. Yeah, and also video games. I don't know if you that has so? anything to do with it, but. If you think about it, they weren't around 60 years ago. They didn't have those shooting games. And if you do it constantly, it becomes sometimes immune to it. And if you're starting like desensitized out... Desensitized almost? Yeah, if you're starting out when you're three years old, the shooting game, if your yeah. parents don't watch you. Because, you know, in our area, like in the North Country, there's parents that are working all the time and they kind of just sometimes leave their kids at home. Mm-hmm. And that's what the kids do. They play their video games all the time. Even though they do have... The you know the ratings for it that doesn't mean that the parent will right. give it to them. Well, and that's the thing too. Like like, how much of that then is on the, the parent to be responsible? And you also, know? kids maybe getting bullied more. You think it's more media. frequently social, social media? media? Okay, that's that's interesting too. That's a because yeah, kids could be like more bullied. I mean, especially like I've seen there are certain kids that they do get to the breaking point and they do get really upset. And there's been more fights. I feel like throughout my upper. High school years. I think you brought up a good point too about the social media because it's so much easier to, yeah, and like you can do it almost from a point of like, you know, the anonymity of it all where you can say the hurtful thing behind like a fake account. So like you're almost, you're not responsible for what you're saying. And then like on the alternative side, I think if you're a kid getting bullied and you're hearing all these hurtful things being said and you don't know who it's coming from, then that's like a whole nother, not, not only are you just being bullied, but now you don't even know who it's coming from. So then you're, you're like messing with yourself inside. You're like, is it somebody I really like and trust that's saying this hurtful thing behind the fake name? Or is it just a, a nobody who's just trying to, to hurt you? And your generation, like, that's the norm in, like, schools. And you're right. I mean, a lot of that really it picked up with the, the you know, invention of or just the expansion of social media. I mean, from when I was in high school, I mean, Facebook was just, you know, just at the very beginning of things. Like, it wasn't really a... a a super popular social media tool, not until I went really went to college and stuff. Um, but even then that you saw like, you know, it, it and Twitter and, and Instagram, they, they kind of blew up and they became, you know, not only the, the way we all can interact with each other, but the way people would hurt each other. Yeah. Especially my generation. I think yeah. I've had social media since I was around sixth or seventh grade. It's wild. So it's I wild. think that you didn't have it until you're like in your teenage years. Yeah. But most of us have had our phones since sixth grade, seventh grade. But before that we had, iPods, iPads. We've been on social media for literally <laughs> I mean, our even, whole lives. Like I remember back when I get my iPod, and I mean it was just for listening to music. Like, and that's just weird to think about. Like the old, I still have my old like two thousand and I don't know five iPod, and it held like three thousand songs, and that was like that was amazing. The fact that you could have that many songs on an iPod, and like they would be everywhere you'd go, and you could listen to them. And now it's like my, you know, your phone, my phone has that times like what exponential like a thousand to the exponential realm of, of just things we can do now we could never even imagine 10 years ago so like where do you think we're going to be maybe 10 years from now do you think it's going to get better are there going to be ways that we can like buffer things just like through the marketplace and like people coming up with ideas to make things easier or, or what do you think is going to be the future for that if you had i don't thought. i don't know no i mean we keep 
because I mean, especially with my generation, you know, the environment, that's like one of our big things. Mm. But if we keep treating the environment way we do, I don't think we'll be going on that much longer. Why do you think that? I'm curious. Why? Yeah. Well. <laughs> hit me with it. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You don't know? No. No? So, so well, where do you think the... Temperatures the, are rising. Yeah. We're losing more of our, like, our Arctic areas. Right. Like... Where the you know polar bears, Antarctica, mm-hmm. that area, and we like smog in the cities. That's insane. Oh, it's definitely like smog. And that's pollution. And like in certain states, I remember we went to Florida, and they don't even have like rules about plastics and just separating your garbage. Mm-hmm. And they put it all in the same landfill. So is that is that so much a fault of like the people, or do you think it's more of a fault of the government monopolizing the ability to like get rid of your trash in a certain way. I think it's everybody. Everybody? Because if you had the education on it, then you would know that. But who runs the education? The government, exactly. Right. And that's part of the, so I think that's part but of the problem too. But then people that yeah. are educated and they continue not to follow through mm-hmm. what they have been taught. They don't care enough to, you know, recycle, to separate, you know, plastics, paper, garbage. Mm-hmm. So what about like places like China though? Like, Cause, I mean, we exactly yeah, and so they're some of the biggest countries that are causing problems. So what should so I mean I guess well, it's I like hear, a whole world effort, and especially like in our waters, it, you know, like how do you make them? How do you make countries like China? Who I mean, why would they listen to us? Like why would they follow our rules? You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's one thing too is like it's I, not like it's a country like a one country thing that can do yeah. it. It's like the whole world that has to do it. And also, it's kind of sad to see. You know, there's billions of dollars spent each year, but they can't even spend, like, money to, like, clean out the waters. Because mm-hmm. you see all the animals and all the things that are just destroyed because the plastic, all the pollutants that are put in the water. And soon enough, it will end up, like, hurting us as individuals because, you know, we need to drink water. Mm-hmm. A lot of natural, like, water that we can drink that's not salt water is going to be ruined. Hmm. It's interesting to get your perspective now. So, I'm, so again, we're, we're already getting to the point where I wanted to get things to start to wrap up, but, like... um. It's interesting to see kind of where your your base level is right now because you're you're going to be going to college in a couple of weeks, um, and I'm just curious to see how you change and evolve because I know like I went into college I went in as like a uh, rock rib Republican you know super conservative and then you know I was Mister you know college Republican president for two years and I was super into it and then I left college as a libertarian more or less not even realizing I was one but you know I was a big fan of Ron Paul and Rand Paul and then I started to realize oh that's kind of how I identify. So I know you, you kind of don't really have a label that you want to give yourself because you're not no, really I'm sure. Not sure. I feel like I fall in with certain areas, mm-hmm. but I think also I have friends who have different beliefs and I like to listen to everybody's beliefs. So I think also I listen to them, but I also like some of their ideas. So I take in everybody's. Mm-hmm. I think you can't just have one idea and that's just how it's going to stick. Mm-hmm. You have to have Republicans, Democrat, Libertarian, you have to have every single, every single, mm-hmm. every single thing. That's how our yeah. government was created. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it wasn't it's, just one person. No. And that's the one thing that's, I think is good too. Like, even if you don't agree with people to know, or at least hear what their position is mm-hmm. and, and try to understand where they're coming and from. And even like researching more on like oh, yeah. other things. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't even realize, you know, different poverties and like even the environment in certain areas. I, we had, I had a Latin American class mm-hmm. and just learning about Argentina as a country it opened my eyes up so much more mm-hmm. and that was just my own research right yeah interesting well listen Sarah I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what your experiences are when you first go to college I know you have some 
uh, you were showing me your class list and a couple of the classes you had are, are definitely going to be, um, shall we say, uh, to the left of center, um, to say the least. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to kind of see where your baseline is. And, you know, I would love to, one thing I'd love for you to do on the side is just take the, um, the I side with quiz online, uh, because what it does is it asks you these questions that are, you know, kind of like what I was asking you, like, you know, thoughts on gun control or thoughts on the environment, thoughts on economics, what government should do to help people in poverty, that kind of stuff. And what it does is it takes those answers and it kind of aligns you in a political area. So there's the, the political compass, right? Top right is going to be like your Republicans, conservatives. Bottom right is going to be more of your libertarian and caps. To the left, you're going to have more of your socialists and communists. Um, and then to your top right is going to be more of like your authoritarian uh, democratic approach. And it breaks it down that way and it puts you kind of on that spectrum in that, that square. And um, I'm curious to kind of see where you are, like where you're going to start. So that's going to be like your homework for me is to do that quiz. And just that we'll see, you know, we'll map it out, you know, after every term or so to kind of see where you're, where you're going to end up. Cause I'm, I'm, I genuinely want to see how your brain changes or how you, your perspectives change. And maybe if you end up more, more on the left, which I, I I'm hoping you don't, but I'm not going to direct you one way or the other. Cause I think it's good for you to kind of figure things out in your own. And I know that's how I figured out where I am today. And I actually just had a guest on my show named Steffi Cole and she started out, you know, she was more on the left. And as she started to do more readings, like, and I'll, we'll kind of end here. One of the things I think we as peoples in general need to do is realize that we we acknowledge the same problems. It's just we have different solutions <clears throat> to those problems. So someone can say there's there's a negative in terms of what's happening to our environment, right? And the left can say, okay, well, yes, that's the problem. And we need to use government to fix it. Whereas the right could say, listen, that's a problem and we need to fix it. But we're going to use the, the marketplace and, and the infrastructure that's being created by the, the marketplace of ideas to, to make that solution versus a government top-down you know, approach. Um, because the, gar- the government <laughs> has never really done a good job planning out things on their own. Things usually arise from the economy, like you know, people changing ideas like Uber, all that kind of stuff. That's where it starts. Um, so uh, awesome. Well, listen, Sarah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I guess what we'll do is we'll make sure we share all your your um, your your stories as we go through. It's again going to be part of our our little back and forth here for your series um, off to college. So any parting words of wisdom for the audience before we go? Um, do research on things. Do your research <laughs> on things. Yeah. Well, you'll be doing that too. So uh, awesome. All right, folks. Well, listen. If you enjoyed uh, today's episode, be sure to fa- share with your family and friends. And as always, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give a give us a five star rating and review, please. And thank you. I know Sarah would definitely appreciate that as a you know loyal listener of the Brian Nichols Show, being my number one fan here. Um, but also, folks, you can go ahead and follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty, both on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, and as always, folks, if you could go ahead and become a uh, supporting listener of the show, I'd be really appreciate it. Patreon is always a good place to go. But if you want to do that one-time PayPal donation, you can swing over to uh, the show notes, click that link. It'll bring you right to the, uh, the the donate page. And again, that's how we keep the lights on here at the Brian Nichols Show. So with that, thank you so much for joining us. Signing off for Sarah Nichols. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.